0: I have the extraordinary privilege of never going to work like I felt on some Mondays when I was going to school. And I was quite surprised to see a piece today by Niven Postman, my guest this evening, uh, as to lots of people, especially young people who are making the transition from the world of education and into the world of work, that they are treating the world of work like they are going to school. Look, for me, it's a million years ago, Niven, so maybe that's why I don't feel it. But I'm surprised that people don't get the sort of sense of enthusiasm, exuberance and joy from the world of work compared to the sometimes drudgy nature of school.
1: Yeah. Look, I mean, it's a million years for me too. Um, so we, we have that in common. But actually, I mean, what I was speaking there about, Bruce, is more about the fact that people of all ages, not just youngsters who come coming straight out of school or varsities, but people of all ages tend to make the mistake of treating work like school. So it's it's different to that uh, idea of, you know, you that knot in the pit of your stomach, Ugh, I've got to go to work tomorrow, I've got to go to school. It's more about how we treat work like school. And so one of the biggest mistakes I've seen people make, and in fact was having a conversation with someone at Stanford about it just today that they're seeing the same thing, is that people, especially very smart people, especially very technically skilled people, put their head down and think that if they work really, really hard, somebody's going to notice and they're going to give them an A. And and, that's the kind of stuff that works for you at school. It doesn't work for you at work.
0: Okay. I mean, it's it's such an interesting observation. It's not something I'd ever considered before. So explain to me, please, this, this phenomenon then as to, why it takes hold and why it is so i suppose inculcated in us that we behave that way
1: yeah look i don't think it's true of everyone and i don't think it's um always true but certainly in my experience the initial thought was prompted by a woman sally crawchick and she wrote a uh, linkedin article years I ago. i met
0: sally crawchick yeah day. she used to be at C- oh, Citibank many years ago and she's done lots of other wonderful things since then she's a very capable Corporate executive, yes.
1: Highly capable. And so her article was the single biggest mistake that she's seen women make at work is treating it like school. I then subsequently realized it's not just women. It's, it's all kinds of people. This idea that the things that worked for you at school are going to work for you at work. And, and no one really gives you that memo. And if you're not fortunate enough to have mentors or sponsors or people who care about you to say, listen – all of the recipes for success, like you can do it for yourself, like your work will speak for itself, like there's only one right answer, like, you know, your biggest learning is going to come from the textbook. All of those things that work for you very well when you are smart at school, when you're an achiever, things change at work. And and nobody really gives you that memo. And so you continue with the recipe for success that served you very well for the first 18 years, 20, 25 years of your life. And aren't quite sure ever why it is that despite all your incredible and impressive technical knowledge, somehow you're just not getting ahead. And, you know, we've all got plenty of examples of people we've met in our career who are incredibly smart. They, they know the job backwards and forwards, inside out. And yet somehow don't seem to get the attention, don't seem to get the opportunities that accrue to people who are not just equipped with the technical skill, but have the relational skill that you need at work
0: we talked talking to Niven Posma this evening, Business Unusual, brought to you by Bidvest Bank. Bidvest Bank, built for your business. So this is why corporate politics then begins to emerge and we start to play corporate games and we start to try and get ourselves noticed and we start going to, I don't know, after work events and into meetings that we don't belong in and then we start putting up our hands and asking questions. We start looking for attention. Maybe yeah. that's the school kid coming out again. What, what's a better way of playing this corporate game of getting the recognition? We know we deserve, yet other people seem to be playing it better than we do.
1: Bruce, you dropped for a second. I'm, I'm sure I did as well.
0: Um, I'm, I'm just, I was just saying, how do we play the corporate game then to get attention? How do we yeah. get um, the acknowledgement that we, we know we deserve but we don't want to be behaving like that 17-year-old saying, pick me, pick me, pick me, sir?
1: Yeah, but you also don't want to be be behaving like the 17-year-old say, look, but I passed the test. Why aren't you giving me an A, i.e. a promotion, i.e. a bonus, i.e. a whatever? You know, so somewhere between the endless narcissism and self-promotion and then on the other extreme, thinking that your work will speak for itself, which is simply not true. Work does not speak. People speak. Hopefully somewhere in the middle, you're not that 17-year-old. You're actually somebody who's making the most of your career, recognizing that, listen, you can have all manner of skills, but if you don't have the right sponsors, you have a problem. You can be doing all manner of fantastic things, but if the right people don't know about it, you have a problem. You can want to do the right thing, but if you don't want to get involved in the politics, i.e. the informal, the unofficial side that exists in all organizations, well, then you're only going to go so far, and you might be technically exactly right, 100% right, well done, but you're not going to be effective. And at work, it's way more important that you are effective. Ideally, you are both, you know. Ideally, you are technically right, and you've got the right people knowing it and, and sponsoring you and getting it done. But frankly, in my opinion, in my experience, if you have to choose, and again, you know, Ideally you don't have to choose But if you have to choose Choose being effective And you are effective with and through And because of other people Not because of how technically right you are
0: There is always that risk And we've seen it happen time and time again Where you've got people who are very loyal And they are like the puppy dog um, And they perform And it's wonderful And their line manager tells them how wonderful they are Their line manager tells them how happy the boss is all the, the line manager is doing is telling the boss how well they're managing them, um, and, and how all of the success is due to their great superlative talents. And uh, uh, the corporate landscape, a, a high functioning good corporate landscape will acknowledge success and will draw up the very best talent and extrude from the talent the very best possible results. But not all corporate workspaces are high-functioning, high-reward environments, and what happens if it is a, a, a slightly dysfunctional place where your boss is insecure in a twit and doesn't like your your brilliance, and, and tries to steal yeah. credit for all of your hard work? Because that, that's a real thing that people go through every day.
1: Yeah, of course it's real, for sure. And I mean, look, let's just make the distinction that this is not just corporate environments. You know, I've worked in the public sector, I've worked in the NGO sector, I've worked uh, in the academic sector and I have a friend who is an academic who says, listen, you think corporate politics are bad. You should you should see academic politics. The and I think it's a, a, a Henry Kissinger line where he says the fights are so vicious because the stakes are so low. You know, so you're going to find this stuff, insecure managers. You're going to find human dynamics in every place that has got human beings, be it a corporate or any other organization. And, yeah, look, when it comes to your boss, context matters. Wouldn't it be wonderful if at school we only ever had these incredibly enlightened, loving, supportive teachers who fired up the love of learning in us for the rest of our lives? But for the most part, we've got teachers who are just trying to get through a syllabus and trying to get through the end of the day without killing some kids, you know? It's the same thing at work. (laughs) Wouldn't it be wonderful if you had managers for your intrinsic worth and made you and your life and your career just soar? Well, you may find some of those. I've certainly found some of those. And for the rest, i found perfectly fine managers, but nothing amazing. And then i found one toxic manager. And you've really got to understand quite what your options are in that situation and make some decisions. I mean, when you're working for an insecure manager, uh, a manager who's threatened by your achievements, where there's all kinds of, of stuff going on behind the scenes, like I said, you've got to make some decisions. And I always say, look, if you don't trust your boss – you really are probably going to need to find another boss because it's hell of a difficult to bring out the best in yourself to deliver your best work. When you're constantly watching your back, you're constantly second-guessing. But if your boss doesn't trust you, um, you're probably going to need to find another job. And, And when we trust someone, either upwards or downwards, what we're trusting is we're trusting their competence. So do they know what they're doing or can they figure it out? Do we trust their caring? Do they give a damn about us? And this can go upwards and downwards. And do we, we, do we trust their credibility and their, their character? So can we trust what they are saying? And what they say they're saying to us is what they're saying to other people. And, you know, it's always interesting for me when I talk about trust that only one of those things is technical, your competence. The other two are our character. They're relational. They're about who that person is as a person. And so this idea that you can get through work, you can get through a a career and switch off to your boss, would that it were the case? It's simply not. A boss has enormous control, not just over your job and your career, but over your life because you take work home with you.
0: Are you ready to blush? I want to see if I can feel you through the microphone. Uh, Len, who I think you know, uh, Len Konar says, Niven is a star. I had a pleasure of working with her at the Reserve Bank. That I didn't know about you. I observed her intellect and passion and pragmatism. She was awesome at the NGO, which she turned around. She's a Harvard published author. I'm a great fan. <gasps> Look at that. And yeah. then he points out, Academic politics is draining. After 30 years at university, it still continues. Dog eats dog. So you're talking about very real things, (laughs) reaching very real people this (laughs) evening, Niven Posma. Thank you very much for joining us. It's a great pleasure to have you back on. Niven Posma, a superhero of uh, public sector, corporate sector too, talking sense in a very confusing world of work.